Hello and welcome to Hauntedly. Today is listener episode number five and I have three pretty awesome stories for you. If you have a story you would like to hear read on the podcast, I am always open to submissions and I will try and read every story that I get. So you can email those to hauntedlypodcast at gmail.com. And without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and get started. Our first story comes from an old truth teller. I totally believe in hauntings and the paranormal, and I have never doubt anyone's account without some evidence to support fraud, dishonesty, what have you. And I have experienced the usual signs, hearing footsteps, doors opening and closing, feeling watched, etc. But I experienced what is probably the most active haunting I've ever heard of, let alone lived in. I grew up in a big family and we moved around a lot usually around the same city, but often to different outlying towns. When I was eight years old, we moved to a home in a nice neighborhood on a quiet street in a town in the adjacent county we'd never lived in. Moving in was always a busy time, as there were so many of us, and usually we had at least two kids in elementary and a few more in junior high and a few in high school. The first day starting the new school, as soon as we stepped on the bus, the other kids started. Ooh, you guys moved into the haunted house? Usual thing, kids rib the new kids about. They went on to tell us how often people would drive by when the house was empty and see the lights going on and off, or the police would be called to check out slamming doors, shadows of someone running inside, and etc., and how no one who lived there ever stayed very long. As my siblings came home from their schools, they said they were told the same thing, and my eldest brother, who had gotten a ride home from high school, said the kids who drove him would not pull into the drive or even park on the street. The town was fairly small, and everywhere we had to give an address. The schools, banks, etc., we would get odd looks, and did you just move in? I first remember thinking something was off when a pizza delivery pulled in the neighbor's drive and literally begged my father to meet him there, as he refused to knock on the door. I don't remember any one specific incident as being the first, but it was probably in the kitchen where cabinets and drawers seemed to open or close when your back was turned, at least at first anyway. I think I attributed it to a new home and being unfamiliar, but one day I was sitting in the dining room and the kitchen was to my right, and out of my peripheral vision I saw the drawer closest to me slide open and then abruptly shut. It did that twice more and I ran and told my mother, who didn't believe me. It seemed the longer we lived there, the more active it became, and I'm amazed now at how accustomed I became to entering a room and having to turn on the same light three times, or pull the shower curtain open twice, or have a door either slam in my face or lock with no locking mechanism on it. My family all reported the same things. My older sister came once, spent one night, and moved out, and would never say why, but never stepped foot in the house again. No one, besides my little sister and I, which I will elaborate on later, ever said they saw any apparition except in the reflection of the glass in one hutch in the dining room. If you looked into it, you'd see a tall shadow walking or standing or sitting behind you and feel it watching you. As kids do, we named the ghost Frank. And one night, my brother and I were getting ready for bed and joked, we aren't scared of you, Frank. And with that, from the room on the far left end of the hall, it sounded as if someone knocked a dresser over. We even heard the bottles atop it shatter. Then, in the room directly behind us, we heard a desk rattling. The closest I can explain it is if something or someone was inside it and trying to get out. 
And then the door to the far left room slammed and we heard heavy footsteps coming down toward us. Needless to say, we'd been lying because we ran downstairs. Once I was pouring my little sister a glass of milk for breakfast and I got the cup down, rinsed it out and got the milk to pour it. And inside the cup was a stack of pennies right in the center, not touching the sides and stacked to the brim. We stored the cups upside down in the cabinets and they looked old and dirty like they'd been in the ground. Other times you would be eating and find something, a coin, a button, a guitar pick. My brothers played the guitar under or inside the food you were eating or in the glass you were drinking from or a glass or dish would crack right down the middle if you took your eyes off of it for a second once shattering completely as the activity increased i remember that we called a plumber because the shower wouldn't stay on or stay at one temperature and he came over and i don't know what he saw or heard or if he'd heard of the home but from upstairs, he literally climbed out the window and jumped off the one-story garage roof to get to his truck rather than walk downstairs and through the house. He asked us outside, how do you kids live here? The feeling of being not only watched but followed throughout the house was constant, and sometimes you'd enter a room and feel pure hostility until you ran out. None of the neighborhood kids would come visit or weren't allowed. And I cannot count the times I'd reach for a cup or pencil or book and have it slide away from me. I don't know how my parents never were bothered, other than their friends or family visiting, only to leave after five minutes or so, saying there's something wrong with this place. I learned later that they didn't want to mention it, but had plenty of experiences themselves. Until it started that every morning the furniture would be moved around in the living room with the couch spun aground against one wall and the paper that we didn't subscribe to open to the sports page and laying on the coffee table that has also been moved. You couldn't keep a TV on one channel or in one place for that matter or else it would only stay on one channel and either at a whisper or super loud smelling cigarette smoke constantly though no one in the home smoked at the time. As I've said, the longer we lived there, the more active it became until the kitchen cabinets and drawers would slide or swing open and shut whenever someone walked into the room. And it's astounding what a kid can get used to when it's every day, almost constant. The final straw was when my parents awoke one morning and found my little sister, who was two and a half, asleep on the couch and not in her room. We had baby gates up at the top of the stairs and my mother asked how she got down there. She said, a mean man carried me down, said I was in his room. I'm sure she may not have said those words, but that was the message. The day we moved, the activity went up to a 10. Doors slammed so hard they cracked and light bulbs exploded in the sockets. The showers came on and off, the kitchen cabinets rattled, and the house felt so dark that the only way I can describe it is that even looking outside a window or open door felt like how opening a safe from the inside probably feels. And I remember as we left for the last time, my mother said something like, Well, Frank, it's yours again. We're leaving. And she said the doors started slamming again and she heard footsteps running down the upstairs hall toward the stairs. It's been over 30 years and still, when we talk about it, it seems like someone has a story we hadn't heard before. And no one is surprised or doubts it. We never researched the home's history, but my mother kept in touch with the owners for a few years, and no one stayed longer than three months, and that record was ours. Like I said, that's why I'm not scared or surprised when I hear of passive hauntings. That sounds incredibly 
upsetting. Creepy isn't the word. Like, I would just be scared all the time. And finding a two-year-old downstairs on the couch and somebody had carried them down, a ghost had carried them, yes, that would be the final straw for me, too. When you start touching my kids, it's over. I would probably have called it quits when the kitchen cabinets were opening and closing and everything was breaking, uh, just because, holy crap, that would be terrifying. And I can see why nobody in town would want to come by. Like, if that's what's happening to you guys... What are they seeing from the outside? Like, maybe they weren't making it up when they said that people didn't want to drive past. And, you know, I would assume that people, you know, you move into a new house and people tell you things and you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then you move into that and you're like, okay, well, maybe you're not lying to me after all, you know. Because people say that kind of stuff about new houses all the time. I remember we had somebody that lived next door to us who unfortunately um, completed suicide and we were there like we knew him and saw all the ambulances and the whole nine yards and several years later somebody had moved into the neighborhood and this kid came up to us and they were like oh do you know that old man so-and-so haunts the house next door and i was like a he was not an old man when he died b we knew him so you're full of crap and i've never seen anybody look so disappointed as this kid when i was like okay you're so full of shit like really so the fact i mean i can see where you're like yeah whatever uh and then you have all this happen holy crap like i wouldn't want to three months is a long time when all that's going on and the fact that it escalated that quickly like you know when i'm reading through your story the first time i was like oh it must have taken you must have been there like five years and it no you were there three months and it went that quick like whew. makes you wonder what the history of the house really was you are a brave person for, for staying there that long and being so unaffected by it, I guess. Maybe that's not the right word, but you know what I mean. Our next story is from Josh Ten Real. My grandmother told my dad and his siblings about a story my grandfather had told her about his encounter with the supernatural. This was an intimate story of my grandfather, and he told my grandmother because he thought she'd be the only one to believe him. When my grandpa was 19, his cousins and he decided to go to the hillside to hunt deer. The hills were almost forest-like with big trees and bushes everywhere. This was back in out the outskirts of a small town an hour away from the closest city of Guadalajara, Mexico. There were many supernatural tales of people encountering supernatural things in small isolated towns in Mexico. The hunt began in the morning. My grandpa and his cousins had to move through big bushes and trees in silent steps with their rifles to hopefully hunt a deer. They decide that they will space out and hopefully find a deer when they intersect in the middle of the forest. My grandpa is moving slowly when he hears some rustling a couple of feet ahead of him. He follows this noise and makes his way through a big bush and expects a deer, but instead he finds three elves. The three elves are laughing at him and my grandpa feels as though he lost control of his body. One of the elves begins to move, his, to move his finger in a circular motion, which causes my grandpa to do flips. The elves laugh at him and continue to make him do absurd things, such as making him fall and making him run into a tree and fall. At one point, my grandpa loses consciousness. He wakes up to his two cousins shouting at him to wake up. My grandpa is dazed and confused, but tells his cousins about the elves. They don't believe him. They ask him where he'd go, where he'd gone, because he, they were looking for him for hours. My grandpa is confused. He doesn't understand what had just happened. A year after the incident, my grandpa has a dream. In his dream, he encounters the three elves again. 
The three elves apologize to him and feel bad about taunting and messing with him in the forest. They tell him that they want to make it up to him by granting him one wish. The catch is that he'll need to find a very special tree in town at midnight. And they tell him he'll know where it is. My grandpa wakes up and can't believe what he just dreamt. He's having a hard time distinguishing reality from dreams. Later that day, he thinks about where this tree can be, and to his surprise, he knows where it is. The tree belongs to his cousin, and it's the only tree of its kind in town. That night, my grandpa calls his cousin to make sure if it's the tree from his dream, and it is. Midnight hits, but my grandfather never went. He stayed home that night, and that was the last time the elves ever made contact with him. First of all, it's a cool story because it's something different. It's, it's elves. Not cool for your grandfather because being controlled by something like that would be incredibly upsetting. And I would be like, okay, what happened? He was unconscious and they said they'd been looking for him for hours and where was he? So where did he go? Did they take him to some other place? Or was it just because there was magic involved and, you know, so they had made it so his cousins couldn't find him? Like, it's kind of scary. The missing time portion of that is what scares me the most. So I would, I'm with your grandfather. I mean, I don't think I would want to mess with the elves, but I definitely wouldn't be like, yes, let me go out at midnight to a specific place you have sent me by myself. I think maybe not, especially after what they did before. I'd be like, you're just playing with me. I'm not. Mm, mm -mm. So uh, I'm glad that he didn't go because maybe they would have granted him a wish and maybe it would have just gone really poorly. So it's a really cool story. So those are our stories for the day. Thank you to our old truth teller and Josh Tenreal. And if you have a story you would like to submit, again, you can send that to me at hauntedlypodcast at gmail.com. If you would just like to say hi or connect, you can also, you can email me. I'm on Instagram at hauntedly underscore podcast. There is a Facebook group now for hauntedly. If you search for it, it's hauntedly paranormal. I'm hoping that there will be lots of people on there to discuss many spooky things. Uh, and I also have a Patreon. If you're interested in supporting the podcast monetarily, uh, there's going to be bonus material. There's only two tiers. It's $2 or $5. I send out handwritten thank you notes, I believe, for the $5 tier. I don't think the $2 tier gets it. I have to double check. It's been a while since I made the tiers. Um, but you get bonus episodes, you get extra material, you get some say in what I do next. And you also, should I ever do ads, you will get ad the ad-free version of each podcast episode. I'm using my Patreon money for things like a new microphone and that kind of stuff. And so with that, I hope you have a fantastic day. And remember, if one door closes when another door opens, your house is probably haunted. Bye!